Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Did like magically turn into maple trees. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it fell apart, was that bit? Even that was the best it's... bit though. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it'd be a part. shit quiz. I'd be like... Otherwise, it'd be too vague, wouldn't it? I'd be like, oh, some guy stole some money. And you'd be like, false. And I'd be like, nah, he did. False. <laughs> like, you got... <laughs> That's never happened before. No one's ever stolen you got, money. you got to put something else in there. Hello, one and all. Welcome to the greatest podcast of all time. Podcast where me, Mork, Bork, and Sork discuss the goats in every conceivable category. Nothing is off limits. We've done goat games, goat movie monsters, and even goat porn stars. And one day, I'm sure Seb's gonna whop his knob out and we'll do goat penis. We already did that, and I won. <laughs> yeah, and we, me and you just were like, yeah, it's finished. He's got a massive dog. Definitely video. I've seen it in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Leviathan. (laughs) Now, if if you've followed us from day one, or if this is your first time listening, firstly, welcome to Goats. Hope you stick around after that. Uh, Secondly, make sure you follow us on Instagram, at thegoatspod. And if you really love the show and us talking about our penises, and you want more exclusive content of us actually talking about our penises, then consider going over to Patreon for all that good stuff, including the long and unedited video versions of these episodes early every week. Otherwise, you can still help us for free by telling a mate about the show or leaving that cheeky, cheeky five-star review. Go on, you know you want to. You know you want it. That's actually reminded me... Um... I need to shout out someone who's told a mate. Oh, the Telemate Challenge. Absolute nostalgia. Holy shit, here we go. And if you don't know what the Telemate Challenge is, what Vinny's about to do is shout someone out who's an absolute legend, who's told a mate about the show. And if you do the same and let us know on Instagram, send us like a screenshot of your text or just say, oh, I told so-and-so, we will do what Vinny is about to do. So Vinny, do your shout out. Well, shout-outs to a Mr. Ben Middlemost from Devon, Exeter. Big up, Sounds Ben. Sounds like a legend, mate. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben Middlemost, no relation, <laughs> for supporting the show and telling your mates about it. We really appreciate it. But anyway... How are you two fellows? I'm all right, mate. What have I been up to? I went to my first ever... So I've been doing introductory Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I recently, yesterday, stepped up to beginners Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, nice. Um, Well, a weird one, really. I think it's kind of... It felt... I was fucking... Everyone had bigged it up so much. I was terrified. I thought I was going into like a karate kid dojo. <laughs> and I was going to be like fire kicked through a door. <laughs> yeah. And it was basically just the same. Yeah. But I was like, oh. Yeah. It's just the same thing. All right, but it was good. It was a mm. lot more like like what I've been doing previously. It's just been like the fundamentals. Whereas yeah. this is like actual like grappling and going for each other a bit more. Hands the on, back yeah. of my The back of my neck, man. I got triangle choked and... 
what was weird, and I, this is, I swear to fucking God, this is the truth. This guy has his, uh, his leg over my neck, is pulling down, and my back clicked, and just uncontrollably, I just went, oh, thank you. Because he clicked my back, and it was really, it was like a nice feeling, and I was like, thanks. And he was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, I just, I have quite a bad back, and that actually kind of felt quite good. He thought for a minute you'd got a boner. He and, did. And your fancy and was being, like, choked out. <laughs> no, but, yeah, like, yeah, that's the thing. I was like, eh, thank you. But genuinely, it did click it. And it, although it's a bit achy today, it feels very mobile. Nice. But yeah, it's good stuff. Vinny, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I had a great weekend at Great Gutton Farm, which is oh, yeah. my friend's residence. It's a very nice place with an indoor swimming pool and three lovely dogs. It's very yellow. Very yellow. Have you been there before? Yeah, we used to have have a fucking gym there, mate. There's still a gym there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've actually got the gym equipment in in the corner of my room. (laughs) Yeah, half of it's there, half of it's in your room. I have no idea what I'm going to do with that gym, but regardless. Yeah, uh, other than that, it's been making my way through a 20-hour Skyrim analysis video, which is very fun. Uh... <laughs> 20 hours, Seb. Look at his face. Yeah, he told me earlier, I was like, 20 hours. It's almost as long as the Christian documentary. <laughs> I'm three and a half hours in. So far, he's covered the Companions, <laughs> uh, Thieves Guild, and he's just started College of Winterhold. So I'm excited to see where, where he goes from there. Old beardo. But yeah, how are you doing, Mork? I am good. Thank you for asking. We don't often ask the host how they are. Vinny, I appreciate And that's probably you. why I should I just move you. on, so I'll go yeah. first. Um, <laughs> just trying to butt you up. <laughs> yeah, trying to butt... Oh, I don't take bribes. I'm not FIFA. Damn! Ooh! That was topical. Ooh, love that. Should we... Should we... Yeah, I'm good. Should we get into it? Yeah. This week, we are talking about the greatest robberies of all time. Whether it's the Great Train Robbery, the Hatton Garden Heist, or Pavel Nedved stealing the Ballon d'Or from Thierry Henry. Tut, tut, tut. Robberies come in all shapes and sizes. As all GOATS fans know, I was in fact the victim of a real robbery. That's right. If you listened to the first Grab Bag episode, you will know about the great busted robbery from my childhood where I had the glory and the prize of not one but two free holidays stolen from me in a talent show. So if you're listening to this Park Dean Resorts, fuck you lot. You broke my heart. Fuck you. Anyway, that's enough about me. I want to hear about you two and your picks for the greatest robberies of all time. Right, Sab, you can go first, I think. So, I had a number of different thoughts when it came to the greatest robbery. Number one, could I do a play on words with the football player Frank Ribery and try and find a Ribery robbery? For instance, when he did that blackmail thing, but then I realised that was Benzema, and then I realised that actually Ribery had just fucked a kid, and that wasn't very funny. Is it a numbers game? Is it, you know, the most valuable thing ever stolen? Is it the biggest amount of things ever stolen? Or is it about technique? Or is it about not getting caught? There's a sex joke to be made there, and I'm not going to make any of them. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> or, or is it something a bit out of the box? My first sort of serious thought was time, and more specifically daylight savings time which i personally Mm. feel robs me of daytime why does it need to be broad daylight when i wake up at seven in the morning and yet pitch pitch black by five that makes no sense fuck daylight savings time it really annoys me why why is it so i work from 9 30 till 6 30 why is the majority half of my day is in pitch darkness that's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Well, if you lived in, like, Norway, like, all your day would be darkness, wouldn't it, or something? Yeah, and I don't live in fucking Norway. <laughs> I live in a, in a country which has, like, eight to nine hours of daylight a day, even in winter. It's just they pitch the whole thing so that it gets it fucking starts getting dimpsy at, like, midday. It doesn't need to be light at six in the morning. <laughs> Nothing happens. <laughs> Fuck off. 
Anyway, I didn't do that. So right. that really, it does get a nerve. Just I don't hate know the why. Farmers. Really, it's not the farmers. I think I get quite bad, like seasonal thingy, and it just fucks me off. Uh. Like, I have to spend so much time in like pitch darkness for no reason whatsoever. We're the only one of the only countries on earth that still does it. And on top of this, sorry, this isn't part of my thing, but we invented Greenwich Mean Time, which we then don't stick to for half the year. But no. I didn't didn't do that, but that brings me to my real robbery. So I started thinking about what makes a good robbery. Well, I realised my favourite kind of robbery is the kind of robbery where the people going into it didn't really want to steal anything, but they kind of just felt like they got no choice. Like it'd be rude not to. Like you were like, oh well, you know, you know, like were the great train robbers, and like they didn't actually mean to steal all that much money. They were only actually aiming to get about a tenth of what they got. But it just so happened the train they robbed was the last train coming from Scotland that year. So it was full of extra money. And they got in there and it was like, it went from being like the equivalent to like, you know, 10, 15 grand enough to like get through Christmas to being like the equivalent of like 90 mil. Jesus. And that's how it all got really out of hand. They're like, oh God. That's my favourite kind of robbery. But before we get there, we need some context. And this might throw you off a little bit. So the region of Quebec in Canada supplies 72% of the world's maple syrup. And that combines to contribute over $1.1 billion to their GDP. It's by far and away Canada's biggest export. However, it wasn't always like this. In the 60s, the value of maple syrup fell through the floor, a bit like the oil crash in the 80s for for the Gulf and stuff like that. There were too many producers, it was flooding the market, and it was causing the value of maple syrup to crash through the floor. And so some producers were actually just cutting down maple trees to sell for firewood, rather than tapping them for syrup, because they were just worth nothing. Anyway, something had to be done. And so a group of all the main producers of maple syrup in Quebec came together to create the Federation of Quebec maple syrup producers, or as we'll be calling them, the Trade Federation. (laughs) So the Trade Federation worked to create the maple syrup version of like OPEC. Do you know what OPEC is? Like the Association of Petroleum, whatever it is. They collude to control the supply of maple syrup coming out of Quebec, (laughs) which is insane. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they so basically all the producers sell their maple syrup to the Trade Federation for a set price and the Trade Federation then drip feed that out to other nations. So like say when you go to Tesco's and buy maple syrup that's been sold to an export company by the federation for a set price. Because of this, the price of maple syrup rockets and all of these producers then get a cut of that increased profit. So they're all quite happy with it. But it mostly benefits like pretty big producers, like producers who can give enough into the system to take stuff out. Now, the other thing that happens here is obviously the more the demand, the higher the price. So they have to keep demand above supply. So what do you do when I've written here? I just think this is a really good, good way of remembering it. The more the demand, the higher the price. Keep demand above supply and keep the prices nice and high. Well, hey, nice. Hanging up on your fridge. So <laughs> they all have this. But what do you do if you overproduce? They all have this quota. They're like, right, we need to produce 25. I mean, it sounds like oil because it's how much is worth. Like, Well, this, I was gonna, this sounds exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's literally the same system. They do it even in barrels like they do in oil. So they're like, you have to, as a producer, give us like 25 barrels of, of syrup a, a year. <laughs> what do you do if you overproduce? Well, you can't then sell that outside the Federation. Otherwise, it makes the whole collusion redundant. It has to, you, only, you can only get it for one place. Otherwise, you're not rigging the market anymore. So what they mm. do is they create the Canadian National Syrup Reserve, which is their national reserve for syrup. Like... America has Fort Knox, which is their national reserve, full of gold. We They yeah. have it full of syrup. And so basically, <laughs> if you if you have to this produce... No, it is. All of this is 100% true. So if you create over your quota, the rest gets bought by the Federation 
for cheaper than it would be if it was within your quota and then gets stored in the reserve just in case there's a bad harvest one year. And in order to maintain (laughs) supply, they can then flood the market with this syrup they've had stored back. Now, this syrup is sitting in warehouses all over Canada. Now, just put that in your mind now, and we're going to have to move on to a bit more context. But just keep in the back of your mind, as I'm talking about this next bit, that all over Canada, there's hundreds of warehouses filled with barrels and barrels of incredibly expensive maple syrup. Yeah, got it. Now, on top of this, like I said, this system benefits a lot of big producers, but a lot of the small producers are like, fuck's sake, I don't want to sell to the Federation. I want to just be able to sell my syrup for the best price. Like, why do I have to sell it directly to you? And so this semi-illegal, I'd call it like a grey market for syrup comes about, where basically um, Quebec is a specific state, and that is the only state in which the Federation, the Trade Federation, has any jurisdiction. Now, they happen to produce the absolute majority of maple syrup, but there are other states in which you can sell syrup. One of these is Ottawa, and they don't have any rules. You can just sell to whoever you want there. So these guys mm. in Quebec are then packing it in lorries or like under their fucking car seats and basically running it across county lines to Ottawa where they don't have to sell it to the Federation. <laughs> now, the guys in Ottawa who are buying it, they're not doing anything illegal. But the guys in Quebec who are, who are basically hiding it from the Federation they can get massive fines because the Federation basically says any syrup produced in Quebec is ours. It has to come to us. So by not giving it to us, you're breaking the rules. You're going to cause a crash. So we're going to fine you. And these fines are massive. We're talking like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught. Mm. So what you have to now understand is there's now a black market for smuggling maple syrup out of the country. It's gone to this point. Out out of Quebec. Out of Quebec. And on on top of this, it's not only just for the financial aspect of it, but a lot of people see it as like a political thing. They don't want to sell to the government. They feel like they're being restricted. They want a free market. They feel like they're being forced to sell and they don't want to. They want to be in control of their own freedom. It becomes this like semi-political system where these like syrup runners are lauded as like the mavericks (laughs) mavericks of society like fucking the system kind of robin hood style like breaking bad yeah but it's not like it's it's very political it's like you're you're like you're standing up for yourself against the government kind of thing so this black market exists yeah the the main guy running the syrup is called richard valliers and he hates the federation and he's like politically motivated He's selling to this guy called Etienne Saint-Pierre. He's legit above board. He's in Ottawa. He's perfectly within his rights to buy this syrup because he's not yeah. under the jurisdiction of the Federation. It's all good stuff. He, he then sells that on legitimately to companies who then sell it to Tesco's. That's all fine. Now, cut forward. There's a bloke called Avic Caron. He's not in the syrup biz. He's not a syrup head. He's just a guy. He's a guy, he's a petty criminal, a businessman who owns and rents out warehouses across Canada. Can you see where Mm, this is going? mm -hmm. No, but yes. (laughs) He goes to one of his warehouses one day and realises that he's rented one of his warehouses to the Trade Federation. There's no one there, no one looking after it. It's a completely just warehouse full with tens of thousands of barrels of maple syrup. Mm. (laughs) Every time you say maple syrup, I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> and this is what I, mean, what I mean by it would be rude not to. He comes into his warehouse. Yeah. There's gallons of this shit. There's a black market already set up for him to sell it on. Why not? So he then meets this guy called Sebastian Dutras. And he's like, mate, I've got some syrup to sell on the down low. And Dutras is like, well, let me give you my mate's number, Richard Valliers. He can help you sell it. He speaks to Valiers and he's like, I've got a job for you. Valiers is like, son of a bitch, I'm in. Right? <laughs> so then, Son of a bitch, I'm in. Son of a bitch, I'm in. So then the three of them get together and come up with a plan. They decide to go down to the warehouse with some fake barrels, right? And this is where it gets proper Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm, They've got right. fake barrels, which they have made to look identical to the barrels that are full of syrup. They fill these barrels with water. They then go into the warehouse, 
replace the barrels that have syrup in, you know, like 10 at a time, with the fake barrels, take the old ba- take the barrels of syrup out, then, this is where it gets clever, they then pour the syrup out of the legit barrels into some other barrels, sell them off to this bloke called Saint-Pierre who's up in Ottawa. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. To all he thinks, he just thinks it's like... He just got some syrup. He's like, it's legit producers selling syrup out of the eyes of the Federation. He doesn't know it's stolen, right? But yeah. at this point, <laughs> they've now got a b- bunch of legit empty barrels. So they fill those with water and then just start swapping barrels for water barrels with yeah, maple yeah, syrup yeah. barrels, if that makes sense. So then sense. In, eventually all the legit barrels are filled with water, yeah. Exactly. Now, this goes on for a year. A year, right? Between 2011 and 2012. And it eventually, in classic heist fashion, comes unstuck. And how does any heist come unstuck? Come on, heist fans. A uh, mole. What Not are a they mole. called? A double crosser. Not a double crosser. They get complacent. Mm, They stop filling the barrels with water. They're just like, oh, fuck it. Lob them in, right? Then, and this is genuinely what happened, an inspector goes to have a look at the warehouse. And obviously all these barrels are normally full of syrup, which is fucking well heavy. I was going to say, water water don't weigh no syrup there. (laughs) And let alone just empty barrels don't. So he then tries to climb on top of a stack of barrels and the whole stack falls over and he nearly dies. (laughs) And they're like, shit. And then he phones up his boys and is like, mate, all the syrup's gone. Like there's load, like we're missing loads of syrup. The police turn up, and it's. I'm not gonna lie. This is where it does fall apart a bit. It's a pretty easy investigation. They're like, well, who owns the warehouse? Yeah. And Karen. They then they then have a look at the barrels and they're like, well, you need a special forklift to lift these barrels. So they go to all the forklift rental places, and one of the gang has rented a forklift in his own name of these special Ooh. forklifts. So then go and arrest Dutrus, the truck driver. And he just sings like a canary. He's like, it's fucking Karen and Valiers, mate. Don't come for me. I was just a driver. Yeah, yeah. They charge him anyway. And then they arrest Karen and Valiers. And they then, they then dob in Saint-Pierre, who they then go and arrest. And are like, mate, even if you didn't know, you're selling stolen syrup. Mm. That's against the law, mate. You're fucked. And they've been wanting <laughs> something fucked. to... They've been wanting something to stick <laughs> on him for years because he's facilitating this behind the federation trading so they're like fuck you the trade federation's like you're Mm. going down too and now look the real reason i think this is the goat is not (laughs) yeah it's it's for is a for all of that it's funny it's a bit wacky but the punchline of this is this they didn't just steal 10 barrels or 20 barrels they, over the course of a year, stole 9,571 barrels, which has an accumulated cost of 19 million Canadian dollars. That's like, what, $12,000 American dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I should look up what that is, actually. 19 That's like, isn't Canadian money monopoly money? That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it roughly equates to 12 million US, 12 million pounds. Right. Okay. So 12 million Great British pounds worth of Damn. fucking syrup. Quite a lot of moolah. Right. Because of this, Valiers, for fucking stealing syrup, is sentenced to nine years in prison and a nine million dollar fine. Woo! Which if he can't pay, he then has to go back for, seven, for 14 years. Which he's obviously he can't hell. do. He can't just cobble <laughs> together $9 million. Karen, the warehouse guy, again, same thing. Five years on the dot. And then he's also got another $1 million he has to pay. And if he doesn't do that, he's going back to prison. <sighs> Jutras gets eight months for driving the truck, right? The worst bit, Saint-Pierre, he's got no idea. He's just been buying fucking backhand syrup. He gets two years in jail and... An $800,000 fine. Damn. Ouch. And the best bit is, there's a good chance that we have probably drank some stolen syrup because the amount that flooded into the market was so great and it went to so many different suppliers, they've never been able to trace any of it. And there's a brilliant quote in the documentary, and I'm going to leave it at this. 
which is that one of the guys who investigates there's a there's a Netflix there's a Netflix series called Dirty Money and one of the episodes is on this and he goes the hardest bit about a maple syrup investigation is that <laughs> well people eat yeah. it and he's yeah. like the you know evidence. once it's been eaten it's gone you can't get it back <laughs> right and that's like the big problem is that they're yeah. like well where's it all gone and they're like well it's in my belly isn't it like it's all gone <laughs> isn't it people are just eating it all like what do you want we can't give it back now and i think that i think the bizarre nature of what was being stolen the fact that they were robin hood fucking over the trade federation and the fact yeah. that it all came unstuck makes it not just the perfect robbery, but just the perfect heist. And it will make the perfect heist movie. I love it. And I know you love it. And I know what you want to say is this. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I would say that would probably make a good heist movie. I would watch a movie about a bunch of guys getting into a sticky situation. Okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> I tried every, to time get... you, every time you said stick or sticky, I was like, oh. oh I tried to get as many of them in. I'd be like, oh, it was a sweet deal. Oh, I meant to say it was a sweet oh, deal. I didn't like it. Sweet deal. So good. It was so a highly good. viscous wow. and delicious meal. <laughs> uh, I meant to say deal there, not meal. <laughs> a highly viscous meal mmm tasty thick and highly viscous like my jizz wait a minute what did he say anyway uh, yeah <laughs> no that was good Seb that was funny yeah 9,000 barrels of fucking maple syrup of crude it's just syrup ridiculous. it's just ridiculous that it's syrup that like yeah, you know, it's a stereotype about Canada and syrup, but obviously they fucking love their syrup. Do you know what Just I mean? the idea as well that they have a national reserve of syrup. Yeah. It's that illegal to, to yeah. like, sell yeah. unlicensed syrup or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that guy got nearly 30 years in prison or a $9 million fine. You literally, you would get less for murder, but he stole some fucking syrup. I know. That's mad. That's great. And, and then, um, yeah, and also I love the way that in the documentary you start forgetting they're talking about syrup because it sounds like oil. They're like, oh, you know, crude, it's worth this much. But once it's been <laughs> processed, and it's like, oh, a big barrel of crude syrup. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, syrup. It's so and the thing good. is as well, I bet they'd be so serious about it, like, Oh yeah, an estimated value of twelve million dollars, and you're like, yeah, it's fucking syrup, mate. <laughs> Nineteen million Canadian dollars, which you know is ten about... British pounds. <laughs> I, I think you'll find it's ten million British pounds. Oh, really? Which is a wow. fucking lot of money. That is a lot of money to rob on syrup. Right, Seb. I enjoyed that thoroughly. That was hilarious. Um, and every time you said Trade Federation, I just imagine people stealing barrels of syrup from like little those little green alien people. <laughs> da, 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 da. What the Naboo? The Naboo aren't in the trade. Yeah, what? Well, I haven't seen that film the for ones ages. In the, tra- the ones in the Trade Federation are they are them the racist ones? ones that sound like they're yeah. Chinese. Yeah, so yeah. I know what you mean now. Yeah. So the game this week, on the back of the roaring success of True or False. Oh God. True stories. Some true stories that never happened. We've got a true or false game this week, no. baby! <laughs> but all of the true ones are true. And all of the false ones are definitely false. Are you sure about that? Because you were yes. pretty sure last time. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure this time. Okay. I just don't know whether to do crazy points or not. Hmm. We're doing crazy points, right? So, Vinny, you get to go first. So, Vinny, you get to go first, right? These are all robberies that took place. Your first robbery that took place goes a little bit like this. A bunch of dudes in high heels and wigs stole millions of jewels. Their only weapon was a hand grenade. And then years later where this robbery took place. They didn't get caught. They randomly found £20 million worth of jewels in a drain. So they didn't look after their uh, stuff very well. 
as they lost it. <laughs> True or false? <laughs> okay. Is that did that really happen or did that not really happen? Mm. Um I'll go for true. The correct answer is true. That did really happen. In France, a bunch of guys came in wearing women's clothes with a hand grenade and stole fucking like 50-odd million quid's worth of jewels, and they lost 20 mil down a Paris Parisian drain. So, Vinny, you have 15 points. Well done. Good job. That's wild. Seb. Yes. Is your one. I'll try and do this more in my style rather than... I don't know why I was talking so weirdly last, the last time. A fella, right, he fucking... <laughs> this fella, right? This fella, right? He robbed Red Bull. A right. lot of Red Bull. Straight out of a Red Bull car. And he distributed this among teenagers... But he was never caught. Uh, I not only know this is true, but know of the perpetrator. Why did you... It is what? true. <laughs> Why did you give him that? What? Because I didn't know he would know it, so then I thought it would be hilarious. Right. you like, oh, it is true. First of all, it's definitely not the first time that's ever happened in the history of Red Bull. That's <laughs> definitely happened, like, a hundred times before. That's, like, su- yeah. such a petty robbery. He was on the way back from a night out, and he robbed some... Yeah, he robbed a red, some Red Bull straight out of the little Red Bull Mini Cooper. And left a, tra- a trail of Red Bull cans. <laughs> left a trail of Red Bull along the street. Straight to my parents' door. <laughs> <laughs> he never got caught. <laughs> so, <laughs> now everyone knows. Now the internet knows. But yeah, Seb, that was true. Well done. You outsmarted it. Two times in a row you've tried to outsmart the game, you little shitbag. Well, I haven't tried. I've succeeded. You get 15 points as well. How many did Vinny get? Vinny got 15. Oh, oh. What a what an honour. What an honour. So you're both level on 15. Are now, we doing tennis Vinny, points or something? Uh, no, we're doing crazy points, son. Okay. Vinny, mm-hmm. here is your next one. Someone, some random fella, stole a tiger from some a zoo. Fella. A live tiger. <laughs> yeah. And they thought they could sell it on like the exotic animal black market. However... This was not a very clever crook. And when he brought the tiger back home, it ate his family. Christ. And he didn't <laughs> manage to sell the tiger. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the real kick in the balls at the end. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a fucking Bengal tiger and it attacked them. <laughs> and ate his family. It actually ate them all. Ate them. <laughs> well, like, let's get it, ate, them. it didn't just kill them it ate them <laughs> right well it might have eaten a bit of them but it, it attacked his family it attacked him at, at their home and they all died yeah true or false it but it does sound fairly true but it also sounds like something you would have made up so i'm gonna go with false Vinny, you know me well it is false Completely fabricated from my <laughs> incredible imagination. <laughs> yeah, well done, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> some great imagination. <laughs> great bounce, mate. Also, I, I forgot I even wrote these and I wrote them <clears throat> a week ago. So I'm just reading them all for like the first time right now. And I'm like, all oh, right, yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah I, <thought> <laughs> I forgot I was so creative. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I thought I forgot that guy. Family got eaten by. A I tiger. forgot that guy. I imagined ate a tiger. <laughs> no, got eaten by a tiger, and then he couldn't sell it. <laughs> I just imagine he's like a used car dealer, and someone comes out and goes, "Has this tiger ever eaten anyone before?" And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, it's fine, mate. It's fine." <laughs> Give it well, a I've ride. Done a, I've, I've done a DVS check, mate, and it says it's eaten three people, and one of them was your mum. Right here we go, Sabi. Yes. How many points did I get? Oh, you got it right. So you got 50 points. You're 50. on 65 points. Wow. wow. All to play for still, though, Seb, if you get this next one right. You'll get 1 billion points. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. So, sticking with the animal theme. One time, and this was this is actually quite topical because there's an egg shortage now. Why are you laughing? <laughs> One time, mate. 
<laughs> and the thing is, there's an egg shortage at the moment. But there's not an egg shortage, though. The government, and well, not the government, the uh, supermarkets are just basically screwing over the farmers. But anyway, back when avian flu was big the other time, like, you know, but, but Bernard Matthews were, like, chopping all their turkeys' heads off and out, weren't they? When there was that big outbreak. There was an egg shortage back then as well. So, a bunch of clever, clever lads went and stole a chicken egg van, a lorry full of chicken eggs, thinking, sell them down the pub or whatever, because, you know, they were just, you know, using the, uh, whatever it's called, what's going on in the world, you know, to rob some chicken eggs. Turned out, they weren't eggs for, like, eating eggs. They were fucking... (laughs) They were... They were breeders' eggs. And then all the eggs hatched, and uh, there's just mad chickens running around. And um, they all started running around the back. <laughs> and uh, they got out, and they're just causing ha- absolute havoc around the town and that. So, Seb Chawfox. <laughs> oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> what a load of shit, Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's so many... So many <laughs> holes in that story. <laughs> right, here's what I think happened. Right. You yeah. were writing a quiz. You <laughs> thought, what's been happening recently? There's, there's an egg shortage. Yeah. Has there ever been an egg shortage before? Maybe. <laughs> I'll say that some blokes nicked a load of eggs. Now, what's a fun punchline to this? They're breeders' eggs. Mm. <laughs> Which doesn't make any difference. You can eat a you can eat a chicken egg that's been fertilized. It'll have a little a- egg chicken in it though. No, it won't. Well, if it comes a chicken, it will. Okay, again. <laughs> so this is making me a hundred percent know that the answer is false because also the chickens wouldn't all hatch. They have to be incubated. Yeah, but like you know, there's like ten billion eggs in that van. Like even if like. You know, 1% hatch, that's a lot of fucking chickens. There's 10 billion chicken eggs. How many eggs can you fit in a van? I don't know. Ask these billion. fellas. Well, at least 10 billion. <laughs> and even if 10% hatch, there's currently more chickens in the UK than there are people. Probably. In that Probably van. are, mate. In that <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think you might have made that one up. That one... Is actually false. It is false. <laughs> I would be astonished if that was true. I wish it was true, but I did make that up. To be fair, it's about... It's almost as ridiculous as a bunch of guys stealing a bunch of syrup. Right, Sevi, you got that right. So you get... 50 points! Hooray! You're on 65 points! All to play for. All to play for in today's game. Vinny, your go. Right. So, a bunch of fellas. Yeah. They robbed a van full. <laughs> no way. <laughs> of. <laughs> Live chickens. 10 million of them. <laughs> of, of Kinder Eggs and Nutella. An estimated value of 80 grand. And the hilarious thing about this story is that was a big public appeal. The police telling everybody. That if you get sold black market illegal Nutella or Kinder Eggs, that you need to come to the police because we've got to catch these horrible criminals. I heard the really the really funny punchline was that all the Kinder Eggs hatched. <laughs> little chocolate bunnies. <laughs> and like knock off Transformers. <laughs> so, Vinny, um... what are you saying? Did a bunch of fellas rob Kinder Eggs and Nutella? I'm allowed to ask what when this happened or when not. Hmm. <laughs> Re- fairly recently. <laughs> I'm just wondering because aren't Kinder Eggs haven't they been banned in this country for a while now? Am I just imagining that? No, they are totally legal in this country. Kinder Eggs they are banned in America. Okay, that's it. Yeah, but I didn't say where this happened. Yeah, I mean. I assumed it was maybe the UK, but yeah. Why would it be a van full of Kinder Eggs and Nutella as well? Just those two <laughs> items. Are they even owned by the same company? 
Uh, yeah. Kinder, maybe. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, okay. I'll say, I'll say true. So I, I think if it was false, you would have come up with a, an even worse punchline. <laughs> an even worse punchline. Yeah, like the chicken's all fucking hatching. <laughs> so what did you get... say? <laughs> I'm going to say it's true, I guess. Oh, Vinny. No, it's <laughs> not, is it? Oh, Vinny. Seriously, mate. You're bang on the money, it's true! <laughs> in August 2017, a bunch of thieves in Germany stole a refrigerated truck with up to 20 tons of Nutella and Kinder chocolate eggs. 80 grand's worth of Kinder eggs. Wild. So there you are, Vinny. You have finished your round of questionings, and you have a grand total of... Hmm, so for that right answer, you got 2,000 points. So you're on 2,065 points. Well done, right. Vinny. That is that is a record for uh, for crazy points. <laughs> Seb. Yes. You've got it all to do. A man, a fella, tried to steal the moon. This is the most ridiculous heist in the list because it's not really a proper heist, but he pulled a full-on Gru. And he decided that the moon was his because technically no one person or state has legal right to space, uh, which is a well-known fact. So he said, well, I own it now, it's mine. And the space agency just said, no, you don't. (laughs) And that was the end of his heist. But he did try to steal the moon. True or false? I know of similar things where people try to, like, claim they have the rights to the Eiffel Tower and sell that. I know, like, American businessmen have long since been being conned by people. You know, they'd go over to fucking France and they'd be like, hey, man, can I buy the Eiffel Tower? And then they'd they'd be like, yeah, mate. (laughs) But the moon. Yeah, I think it probably, I think, I think... Someone's probably given that a go because there's also yes, definitely they def actually a hundred percent because there's you can buy online. People will say you can buy a bit of the moon, but you actually can't. You can. So, but you can't. So, therefore, even if you say no, the answer is yes because someone is currently trying to steal the moon. Well, I have to tell you, Seb. That you're wrong. It's false. I made that up. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I made it up. So you get... Well, don't you own a piece of the moon? Didn't you, didn't yeah, my dad... dad owned a piece of the yeah. moon, yeah. But that doesn't actually telling... mean you're... anything. No. Yeah, it does. Sort of. No, because no really. one can own the moon. You just said that. Yeah, it's a con. So by default, someone did just steal the moon. No, they didn't steal it from anyone, though, because no one owns it in the first place. It's not theft. It's nothing. Is this another true story that didn't happen? It's the most legally grey area thing ever. No, I made that story up completely. Seb's just trying to say that because of some random real-world thing that's similar, that it's false. But well, I made that similar. story it's up. It's exactly that what happened. No, I made that up completely. That he claimed the moon for himself. That's just not that's just not true. Seb, so with your incorrect answer, you got one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine points, so you finished today's game on two thousand and sixty four points. I knew I knew one point behind Vinny. I knew you were oh. gonna do that. Did you oh, have to no. use a calculator to work out what was one <laughs> less than what Vinny got? <laughs> Oh, well, I, oh, yeah, I could have done that, actually. <laughs> but that was a very close game, boys. That was a close game. So that in that game, I think we surmised, there's a lot of true stories that come out of my mouth. And some that I've made up. But this time, there were no true stories that never really happened. As much as Seb wants to believe that there were, there were not. But, Vinny... It's now your turn to take the floor. Okay. Hit us, steal us, steal our hearts with your greatest robbery of all time. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, so obviously the best robberies are the ones where the guy gets away. So I'm about to tell you about a story about how a guy got away with it. And he never got caught, even 50 years later. How do you know his name then? I don't know his name. I know the name oh. he gave on the... I'll get into it. Anyway. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got here. On the 24th of November, 1971, a man carrying a briefcase walked into Portland International Airport and purchased a one-way ticket to Seattle. The man identified himself as Mr. Dan Cooper and soon boarded the Northwest Airplane Airlines Flight 305. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to a flight attendant which stated in his own writing, Ms, I have a bomb in my briefcase and I want you to sit next to me. Sit by me, sorry, I don't want to misquote this man. She did what was instructed and quietly asked to see the bomb. Cooper opened his briefcase to show her the two rows of four sticks of dynamite. <laughs> he closed his briefcase and told the flight attendant to write a note of his demands to hand to the crew in the cockpit. The note read, I want $200,000 by 5pm in cash. Put it in a knapsack. I want two back parachutes and two front parachutes. When we land, I want a fuel truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff, or I'll do the job. For the next hour and a half, the plane circled around near its destination, whilst authorities on the ground scrambled to find the demands. It just so happened that the Seattle First National Bank at the time kept a spare 250 grand just lying around in, in case of this sort of emergency for ransom money. It, you know, in a warehouse in a barrel labeled, labeled sir. <laughs> but it's actually full of water. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> oh no. We've done the same one, Sebek. <laughs> oh, it's always like that. <laughs> A local skydiving school also provided the parachutes. Two hours after the plane was scheduled to land in Seattle, it finally touched down on a remote part of the landing, where the ransom money and the chutes were taken to. Cooper sent out a crew member to take the goods and bring them to him inside the plane, where after checking everything was in order, he allowed two crew members and all of the passengers to leave safely with the majority of the passengers never even knowing they were part of a hijacking in the first place. Oh. When was this? Sorry, just give me the date again. 1971. Alright. It was winter Interesting well. that they just went, yeah, sure, mate, here's the money. Like, nowadays, they'd be like, nah, fuck off. Like, you know, they don't, like, negotiate ransoms, do they, nowadays? They just, like, don't really pay them. 
I don't know. Isn't that something they just say in movies? We don't negotiate it with terrorists. No. Well, I was listening to a um a thing about a guy who was like kidnapped by these um Somalian pirates, and like they just wouldn't give them the money. They're like, no, we're not giving you any ransom money. No. Oh, yeah, they, they eventually got them out. They just—it didn't seem like they paid any money, but maybe that's what I mean. It's a bit different in the seventies, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's just before interesting. Yeah, before terrorism became super popular, I think maybe. Mm. The plane was refueled as instructed by Cooper, and he demanded they take a flight to Mexico City, but there wouldn't be enough fuel for the journey, so they decided they would stop off in Reno, Nevada, on the way. Part of the agreement also included having a crew member stay by Cooper's side to show him how to extend the plane's stairway whilst they were airborne. Flight 305 started its second journey at 7.36pm, way after sundown, and after Cooper was instructed how to extend the plane's stairway, he told the crew member to stay in the cockpit until they touched down in Reno. The last sight of Cooper was of him in the middle of the aisle, looking like he was preparing to jump off the plane. Three hours later, when they had safely landed, the crew went back into the rest of the plane to find Cooper and the bomb were missing. They noted they had heard and felt an oscillation of the aircraft at around 8.05pm, and it had had been concluded that Cooper had jumped out of the stairway with a parachute at this time. The FBI boarded the Boeing 727, but only discovered Cooper had left just a clip-on tie, eight cigarette butts, and two of the four parachutes that he was provided with, which isn't much to go on. Why did he leave two parachutes? Well, because he couldn't wear all of them, I guess. So, no, actually, the reasoning was because they think... The FBI think that he thinks that... If he were to just ask for, like, one shoot and a backup shoot, then it would be, like, obvious he's only going down by himself, and then they could just put some holes in it, you know. Oh, I know, and he'll die, And do yeah. the job, you know, do the job. If he asks for four, they can't risk it, because he might take someone with him. He might take a hostage, and they can't risk killing a hostage, so they have to give oh, him, Oh, like... that's so oh, clever. That is fucking legit, man. He's smart, he's smart, man. Damn. He figured this stuff out, yeah, that's really smart. Well, the next morning, the FBI mounted an impressive search operation around the area where Cooper was thought to have landed in, using helicopters, airplanes, and ground troops. But the problem is, even if they knew the general area of which he jumped into, that area was basically just snowy forests and mountains, Mm. and it was also November, you know, middle of winter. Right, yeah. Despite their best efforts, they couldn't find a single trace of Cooper, and the case went cold for years. Until a whole decade later, when some $5,000 in bundled cash was found on a beach in Tina Bar, which is a whole 27 kilometers away from the alleged area Cooper was last spotted. The serial numbers on the cash matched the ransom money's serial numbers. Oh shit, son. So how... Did it end up so far away from the site? Well, evidence showed that the money couldn't have just washed up there as the elastic bands remained intact around these bundles of cash. It was concluded that the money had in fact been buried there. Authorities sent out search parties to try and find more of the buried money around the area, but none more was to be found. And to this day, no more evidence has been found for this case. And this remains the only unsolved case of air piracy in the entire history of commercial aviation. I, f- I think that's worldwide as well. It, has, it doesn't say in America. It just Really? So, yeah, it might just be worldwide. Yeah, I guess how the fuck do you steal something off a plane? Because you're on the plane. They just wait for it to land and get you. That's what I mean. I think it's quite tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Air piracy. Imagine being an air pirate. Damn. Just stealing air. Arr, I be stealing your air. You wouldn't steal a handbag. You wouldn't steal an air. So what happened? One theory is that Dan Cooper didn't survive the fall. In fact, in the authorities' haste to find the parachutes, they accidentally took an older military parachute as a main chute and a dummy parachute as a backup. I don't know why they would have dummy parachutes, but apparently they do. I I think it's for training sort of stuff, I reckon. Yeah, right. 
So you can practice packing like the shoes. Pull it out and pack it in, but yeah. it won't like. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it just so happened that the two shoots that Cooper took with him on his descent were the military one and the dummy one. And that night was also pitch black at the time of Cooper's jump, and the weather was extremely windy and rainy too. And if Cooper even managed to make it to the ground, he was not well equipped whatsoever for the wilderness terrain. He only wore loafers, a black suit, and a trench coat. That's it. Yeah, but this dude had a fucking plan. He would have been like, nah, it's all good. He would have had a guy on the ground pick him up or some shit. I don't believe this guy was stupid enough to get all that way and be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Whoops, I'm in the forest and I'm going to die of hypothermia. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And other things are, like, how did the money end up so far away from the thing? Like, it definitely didn't blow there because it was buried as well, you know. And also, if he did die, why did the authorities never receive a missing person report around the time of the hijacking, even vaguely matching Dan Cooper's appearance? Well, I believe he survived and just blended back into society. And apart from the buried cash that was found, no more was found, and it's presumed that none of the cash either was either never spent or maybe just taken to another country. And that is why I think it's the greatest of all time trademark robbery. That story is dope. I know what I'm going to do later. I'm going to be Googling D.B. Cooper. I'm going to crack the fucking case for sure. Do it. Watch um watch the Let Me Know documentary on it. That's on YouTube. It's like a thirty minute one. It's really well done. How old is he now? How old would he be now, approximately? Uh, I think they put him at like maybe like thirties. I think thirties, forties years old, right? Back so then. So he'd be. And it was fifty years ago. He'd be seventy, eighty now. Yeah, he might. Maybe even ninety. Might have died of old age by now. If nah, this is what I'm about to say. Like, surely. Surely, just before he croaks it, he's got nothing to lose. He just comes out and be, is like, it was me all along, baby. Because it would just be so great to like, no, wouldn't it? We just need to look through all the gravestones in the area until we find one that says, son of a bitch, I'm here. And then we're like, <laughs> yeah. it's him. Yeah, because his, his name's definitely not Cooper, whatever he gave. Because that I know, just he, seems too clever, yeah. It's too, too fit. Yeah, he definitely wouldn't have given a real name. If if he if he on his dying bed, you know, on his deathbed, he's like, oh, my son, I was DP Cooper the whole time, <laughs> and then like croaked it. It's like some would be like, there's no way I'm buying that. His yeah. brain had deteriorated from like, like, the, the fuck's DP Cooper, <laughs> yeah, is like... he on TikTok or something? <laughs> no, it'd be like he's obviously just obviously just out of his fucking brain on fucking meds. Like, <laughs> what's I mean? Like, yeah, it could have yeah. just yeah, it could yeah, damn. Maybe he's already revealed himself. There's some wild stuff about his like motivations as well, isn't there? Yeah. I don't know if you saw about that, but like he kind of he was very very chatty with the um with the woman who he who, with the like flight attendant, and he was like really like chatted about. It. And then he at one point said like, it's, "I I don't have a grudge against the airline itself, but I do have a grudge." And a lot of people think that he probably had a grudge against Boeing which was the company that made the plane because oh, he had like a lot of like weird inside knowledge about how the plane worked. And it didn't, sorry, I know I'm just sort of jumping on the back of what you said, but wasn't there also something about his tie? They like analyzed his tie and there was some like fragments of titanium on it. And the only companies that really used titanium at the time were like aerospace companies. So I they think that, that like, right. oh yeah, they, they think, the only thing they really have is that he might have been like a disgruntled like Boeing employee. Yeah, yeah. That would be mad, though. Crazy thing to do if you're just a disgruntled employee. I know, be a psychopath. Then, people were fucking well bored, weren't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. Got no fucking TikTok or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Facebook had been invented. <laughs> exactly. Back then, like, you only had a couple of options. Yeah. I mean, right. Let me let me start the the long and laborious conclusion that these end up turning out to be. So, both of your stories are fascinating because they are both actually quite ridiculous. Like I said, if I had vaguely said in that quiz both of those stories in the way that I normally tell vague, false stories, both of you may have considered them to be untrue. Like if I said, oh yeah, this geezer took a bomb on a plane, right? And they gave him some fucking money and he like jumped out and then like he just like got, it, it, like they never got him in that. 
you'd be like, no, he <laughs> didn't, false. And the same thing for the syrup one, like, I could quite easily fabricate that. But they're both completely and utterly true stories that did happen. Hmm, but which is the goat and for which reasons? I mean, who stole the most? Obviously, it was the syrup one. The syrup one stole the most, but they had to give it all back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, because that one had eaten it. (laughs) <laughs> they ate all of it. They weren't selling. They were just eating. <laughs> they just gained diabetes and <laughs> nine million da- pounds in debt. They, yeah, they ate nine thousand barrels of maple syrup. No, but like, what makes a great robbery? So, like, the amount you take, like that. Yeah, they win one of them. The like motivation. They're both completely opposite motivations, really. DB Cooper's motivation is completely, like, I don't know, ambiguous. You have no idea why. But um, clearly, for some reason, he wanted to steal a bunch of money and get away with it. The other guys, they're sort of saying, stick it to their man, look, trying to look out for themselves. Not really Robin Hood, because they're not, like, giving away that syrup to, like, children in the street, are they? They just don't want a big corporation taking their money, which is absolutely correct they should they should definitely fuck the trade veneration one of them got away the other one didn't so that holds some weight but really if i was proposed both of these heists by a heist master like george clooney like seb said which one would make me say you son of a bitch i'm in hmm i'll start with you Vinny or seb hmm Vinny or Seb? Vinny? You son of a bitch, I'm in. 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 I'm in, I'm in. What's the job? I'm in. You sons of bitches. You son of a bitch. Thanks for doing this, guys. What's the job? That was it. Bye. DB Cooper. Oh, you bastard. Greatest robbery of all time. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> oh, you bastard. Now, the DB Cooper thing just sounds mental. Like, yeah. so crazy. I can't believe he's still never been found. Not a, sh- not a shred of evidence. Finding a bunch of buried money is not even evident. You can't pin anybody to that. There's, like, a, mm. a couple of air hostesses' testimonies of it. You look like this. They don't know if he's dead or alive. I mean, he's definitely not dead, I don't think. But Well, he might be dead now. He might be, yeah, he might, he might be dead now. He may have confessed all his sins to his lover, like you said, Vinny, in his old age. And, you know, 250 grand. That probably got you quite far back in the 70s. But um, the, 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 the maple syrup one is ridiculous. It sounds like completely silly. But actually, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good heist. That's a lot of money to get away with for a considerable period of time. Like I said, when I was researching, like, the greatest heists... If they stole a lot of money, if they stole within, like, the tens of millions, they always got caught. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't steal that amount of money and, like, get away with it. It just doesn't really happen. Like, the Hatton Garden robberies, they got caught. Like, all the biggest robberies of all time, they all got caught. The, the trick to doing being a good thief is to not steal enough to draw attention. Yeah, steal a li- steal little and often. <laughs> little and, little that, and kids? often. <laughs> little and often out there, right? Don't yeah. go all out. Yeah. A bit like the Tories, they just cream a little bit, what, an extra 1% every now and again. Just and you just don't notice it coming. No one notices it. That's it. Petrol prices rise by a couple of pence. Before you know it, it's nearly £2 a litre again. And you don't even notice. It's just little and often. That's how, that's how these big, that's how big good robberies get done, isn't it? But yeah, so there we have it. Wow. Episode, uh... What, what, what fucking episode is Episode 33 of Goat's Done. The greatest robbery of all time was not us robbing you of an hour, an hour of your week with this podcast. <laughs> it's actually us robbing you of an hour and a half. It was actually the legendary, the mysterious D.B. Cooper, if that even is your real name. But yeah, so, next week... What are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing a big one, actually. The greatest ever mistake. And no, it was not myself or either of you two being conceived. They are not the greatest mistakes of all time. So, make sure you don't make a mistake. 
and miss another episode of this podcast, subscribe to the feed on whatever podcast you listen to so you can get us every single week in your feed and listen to this absolute shite. Other than that, I don't have any other business. Do any of you have any other business? Not no. with so, you guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> if that's the case, uh, love you, bye. Love you, bye. I love you, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.